Let's open our Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Judy and I are going to have the privilege to go to Nashville uh, this afternoon to be at uh, All Souls. And I will be uh, preaching at All Souls in, in Nashville at the church plant this afternoon. And, um, you know, I found out Friday night about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, uh, that I was going to do this. So it's not going to be a different sermon. I just have to make it shorter because they're used to 16 minutes. And, and you're much more tolerant, okay? You're much more tolerant. Um, but it just happens in God's providence because we don't believe in chance or luck. Those aren't entities. God's providence is real. That um, this passage is very short and lends itself to some very particular things uh, and, and applications. So it's, it's, it's great. So if you're able, would you stand with me as I read the word of God? Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us and open our eyes to your word. That we would see it and understand it and know what it means to walk by the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now you'll see that the passage is summed up, walk by the Spirit and then be led by the Spirit. And this is such a great and simple phrase, um, but it is full of uh, danger. How about that? Because it is easy to misuse it, and we'll see in a moment. Uh, and we've probably heard some form of this used uh, throughout our, our Christian lives. The Spirit told me. I felt the Spirit leading me. The Spirit prompted me. Uh, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm led in every part of my life by the Spirit. Uh, you may have heard some of those things before. And all of these things are well and good, but they are rather subjective. Okay? How do you know that you were led by the Spirit? Um, how do I know what it means to walk by the Spirit? Um, what is the heart of the issue here? And, and I want to say the heart of the issue is knowing the difference between uh, what I want and what the Spirit wants, or what I want and saying, well, that is what the Spirit wants, because I feel that I want it so badly, it must be God's uh, leading me. Or was it the pizza that I ate last night? What, what, what could it be? Okay, and we have to be able to discern what those are. So one simple indication of walking by the Spirit is found in the text, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a very simple thing. If you're walking by the Spirit, you're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. And some of those desires <coughs> pardon me, are listed for us in verses 19, 20, 21, and we'll look at those after Easter and, and why we should not gratify those desires. But as we have learned in our time in Galatians, 
The Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is not that. Even though the Judaizers are trying to lead the Galatians back into the Jewish practices in an effort to confirm or solidify their salvation. What we have here is Paul's plain and simple statements that the Christian life is a life of obedience lived in the freedom of the grace of Christ. In the freedom of the grace of Christ. So what does it mean to walk or live by the Spirit? So in a good um, academic form, I'm going to give you what it doesn't mean first. Okay? That's just kind of the way things work. Uh, so the first one is obvious. What does it mean? How can I tell if I'm not walking by the Spirit? Okay? If I'm not walking by the Spirit. And by, of course, the process of elimination, you can say, well, if he says that, that means the opposite is true, and I am walking by the Spirit. You'll see. The first one is obvious, and it happens so often in our lives that it probably goes unnoticed. If I disobey God's word, I'm not walking by the Spirit. Oh, okay. And now how often do we do that? Well, none of us are perfect. Let's get that first in our minds. None of us are perfect. But when I make choices or decisions that conflict with the plain teachings of Scripture, I'm not walking by the Spirit. It's just plain and simple. Um, I, I, I took deductions on my taxes I shouldn't have. That's lying. Um, I failed to exercise forgiveness. I harbored anger or bitterness into my heart. Uh, I've gossiped. I, I didn't spend time in, in my personal devotions and time with the Lord in prayer. Uh, I've taken the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Uh, I've lied. I mean, the list of things, large and small sins, could go quite long, and we find ourselves in quite a few of those categories. The Spirit has inspired all 66 books of the Bible. Okay, Second Peter chapter 1. And they are without error in their original form. So the apostles who wrote the word of God taught by the power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And everything they wrote here in this Bible is exactly what the Lord wanted us to have today. It's exactly what the Lord wanted them to have a thousand years ago. And if he doesn't come back in another thousand years, it'll be exactly what he wants. And it is applicable in all those areas. So if our lives are not in line with scripture, that's an easy way to tell that we're not walking by the spirit. Now, which of our lives has been perfectly aligned with the teachings of scripture? Well, of course, none of us. But if you're not bothered by the fact that your life is not in line with scripture, that's an easy way to say, I'm not walking by the power of the spirit. Okay, If your disobedience to God's word doesn't bother you, then you're walking according to the flesh. Secondly, I'm not walking by the Spirit if I'm not willing to receive godly counsel. If I'm not willing to receive godly counsel. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me over to Acts chapter 18, and we're going to find an example of somebody who was willing to receive godly counsel, and how that looked in his life. Now, the young man's name is Apollos, Acts chapter 18, uh, down here in verse 24. Now, Apollos had become a believer with as much as he knew, and he was ardent, and he was zealous for what he knew, and he preached it. 
Acts 18, verse 24. Now a Jew, na Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. That would be the Old Testament that they're referring to. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him when he arrived. He greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So they took him aside, and they had a little conversation with Apollos. Apollos, what you're preaching is good, but it's incomplete. Okay, let, let us show you the fulfillment of what it is that you're preaching, because he only knew the baptism of John. Let us show you the baptism of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was moldable, and he was better for it. So you're not walking by the Spirit if you refuse to take godly counsel. Now, I'm not talking about counsel that fits your mindset. I'm talking about godly counsel from friends who are full of faith, mature, and are taking their wisdom that they're imparting to you from Scripture. That is godly counsel. Now, remember, the Holy Spirit gives us a variety of gifts. No individual has all the gifts um, that the body of Christ possesses. Okay? Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are ears, some of us are eyes. And when you need the counsel of the foot, you go and talk to the foot. You don't go and talk to the hand. You get the idea. Okay? So some years ago, someone asked me for some counsel. And after giving it some thought, uh, and I gave that individual what I thought was valid scriptural counsel. Okay, in, an or, in a way to lead them to walk in obedience. And after I said my piece and, and, and from Scripture, the individual said, well, I will have to see what the Spirit says about that. Now, that sounds kind of godly, but really it's not necessarily godly. Because I'd already taken it right from Scripture, and it was like, well, I'll have to see how I feel about that. How, how that affects my heart and my soul. But if you cut off godly counsel and wait for the whispering of the Spirit, you may only end up with exactly what you want and not with what Scripture says we should do. So the Holy Spirit would never tell us to stay in our sin, would never tell us to glory in our pride, would never tell us to say, uh, to, to remain arrogant about anything like that. The Holy Spirit never encourages us to pursue what goes against God's word. So if our own conscience or counsel of others prompt us to disobey God's word, we know it's false. We know it's false. Number three, another obvious one. If you're living in unrepentant sin, you're probably not walking by the Spirit. Unrepentant sin. Part of the work of the Spirit is to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's what we call sanctification. It's a lifelong process. From the moment we are saved until the moment we arrive in heaven, we are in the process of sanctification. 
Growing, trying, failing, uh, trying again, learning about it, that, that's the Christian life. The Lord is making us more holy in our practice of the Christian life, in doing the will of God. So if you know, if you know you're living in unrepentant sin, then you're not walking by the Spirit. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian, okay? It doesn't mean God has abandoned you. It means you know you're in sin and you are hopefully struggling to get out of that sin because you know it displeases the Lord, but yet you have yet to be successful with what we call the mortification of sin, killing sin in our lives. Now that struggle that I hate sin and I'm trying to get out of it is good because it shows you're a believer. Unbelievers don't care about being in sin. It doesn't bother them because their conscience have not, have not been informed by the word of God. So if you're struggling with sin, trying to get out of it, that's a good sign for you. Keep at it. Keep at it. Number four, if you're unwilling to go to God's word to look for wisdom on a particular matter, you're probably not walking by the Spirit. If you don't want to hear the truth, that's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. If you're unwilling to study what the Bible says on a particular decision, belief that you hold, activity or action that you plan to pursue, then how can you possibly know what it means to walk by the Spirit if you're not looking at where the Spirit tells us to? The Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, wants us to walk in step with God and with God's Word. So what he wants so if we refuse to shine the light of God's word into our hearts, remember what John says again and again and again. Okay? The world hates the light and loves the darkness. And the darkness flees from the light. If you're going to shine the light of God's word into your heart and into your life and into your practices and into your beliefs, you have to be ready to change. Because when that light comes, when the truth of God's word comes into your situation, into your life, you have to be ready to conform to it. Number five, if you're relying on things like an internal peace, a feeling, a dream, a vision, an impression as the sole confirmation that you are walking by the Spirit, you're probably not. You're probably not. In fact, Scripture gives us no permission to interpret those experiences in that way as to be the absolute measuring stick for whether or not we're walking by the Spirit. In fact, walking by the Spirit may be accompanied by the lack of peace, might be accompanied by struggle, might be accompanied by adversity. It's not always, well, life is so smooth, I must be in God's will. No, no. It's not necessary. You might be struggling terribly, but yet you are in the Lord's will. You might think to yourself, well, we see in Scripture this is God's will for believers. And you might say, but I don't have a peace about that. Well, if it says in God's word, it is his will, doesn't matter whether you have a peace. This is what it says to do, and that's what we have to do. Now, if the Bible doesn't speak directly to what you're seeking, 
then we have to look at what are the principles that scripture lays out for us in this area about obedience, about living godly lives. We need to seek counsel from godly individuals, and we cannot rely solely upon peace. Now, if you have, in your life, sought God's will on something that was very difficult, and you suddenly received a peace about it. Now, I've been there, and I have received it. And like, yeah, this, this must be. Well, and you pursue it, and it is. And then there are other times where you don't have a peace about it, and you're just struggling desperately, and it's not until you're in the midst of what you're doing, or perhaps even afterwards, that you look back and say, yes, that was God's will. It wasn't easy. I didn't particularly like it, but it was God's will for me. All right, now, enough, no, enough of the negative. Let's do the positive. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, the idea of being led by the Spirit only appears twice, really, in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, that leading, as used by Paul here, is not the leading or guidance to a particular area. Lord, should I be a doctor? Should I be a lawyer? Should I be a preacher? Should I be a teacher? Um, should I marry this person? Uh, I'm going to leave the page blank and a pen right next to it, Lord, so I figure you'll write the answer for me on the page by the morning. Uh, that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, the Spirit does lead us in some of those things, but that's not what Paul is talking about here in, in, in uh, Romans 8.14. He's saying this leading is a consequence of what he said in the prior verse, verse 13. He's been talking about putting sin to death. Westminster Confession calls that the mortification of sin. It's got its own paragraph on it. It's, it, it's a great paragraph about killing sin in our lives. The Spirit leads us to put to death sin and live to holiness. It's, it's, it's very simple. Now I say that knowing it is also very difficult in our lives to kill what so often we love. I, I kind of love those sins. They've been with me a long time, okay? And I don't want to part with them, but I have to live to holiness. And holiness is not always easy because it, it tells me I've got to put aside my will and take on the will of the Father. I've got to do what he calls me to do from his word. But yet his Holy Spirit empowers me to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. Okay, That's the kind of leading that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 8. And this is the Christian life. This is the Christian experience. It is walking in the Spirit. It is not a passive thing. I want to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get my lazy boy and put, the, put my feet up. And I'm just going to wait. And the Spirit's going to lead me. That's not what the Scripture talks about. Now, sometimes we wait, sometimes we seek the Lord, but usually it is in walking in the Christian life, in pursuing the Lord, pursuing holiness. That is typically where we find the will of the Lord. We are led by the Spirit. Think of Paul and how he talks about walking by the Spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. I beat my body into submission. Okay? Paul talks a lot about being a soldier as the model of the Christian. Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the whole armor of God. 
And at the end of his life, Paul says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the parallel passage to that is Colossians chapter 3, 16. So men on Wednesday afternoon, pretty soon we're going to get to Colossians 3, 16. So be ready for this. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. So how do I walk by the Spirit? I let the word of Christ dwell richly within me. I read it. I think on it. I pray through it. Your mind is to be saturated by the word of God, and when it takes over, to your, it takes over your life, you are walking by the Spirit. Because the Spirit's desire is to conform us to God's word and to God's will. Now, if you do this, as we see in Galatians, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And the word flesh here is not just this flesh, but it's the entirety of sin that still remains within us until the moment we stand before the Lord in glory. If you want to overcome the sin, you have to walk by the Spirit. Desires, the word for yearnings, the word for longings, almost always refers to evil yearnings and evil longings. You have to overcome those. So how do we win this war? How do we triumph over the flesh? You can think of those um, uh, in in the desert fathers uh, who went out into the desert and and started monasteries. And you can uh, just read in the life of uh, some of the monks what they did to mortify the flesh. They slept on the stone floors in winter. They wore burlap. Uh, They would actually beat themselves in an effort to subdue the flesh. That's not what he's talking about. How do I become like Christ? Well, the first way, the sure way to become like Christ is to know what Christ wants. And then is to flee Sin, Romans chapter 6, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you would obey the lust. Do not go on presenting your bodies to sin. It says, you see the sin, and it's down there at the end of the aisle. Now, when do you flee from that sin? When you get right up next to it? Okay, here I am, I'm face to face with the sin, now I'm going to flee. Frankly, that is too late, because you're heart is already inclined to that sin because you kept getting closer to it and closer and closer when is the time to flee the sin that you see way down there it's down here okay i see the sin scripture actually says run away from it and and you know what tempts you in your own heart okay if it is just use something simple If it's the Snickers bar in the checkout line, don't go to the one that has the Snickers bars. If it is the worldwide daily news and the gossip about which star is uh, having a relationship with which other starlet, and you're like, oh, man, I really want to see this. Don't go to that one. Get your groceries online or something like that. But don't go where sin is because you know the closer you get to it, the harder it is to say no. Now, the only other place that spirit leading is mentioned is here in our passage in Galatians 5. And the context, again, is putting sin to death. 
the way to walk by the Spirit is to put sin to death. That's what he's saying here. Believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The moment you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment of justification, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. And we have the capability to put sin to death. The question is, do I have the will? And and frankly, we all have places in our lives where I don't, don't have the will yet to do that. But I would hope, let's say you've been a believer for 20 years, that you're better at putting sin to death now than you were 19 years ago, okay, or 18, or 16, or 10. And the longer you're a believer, the better you should be at putting sin to death. But also the other side of that coin is the more, in, the more sin offends me and the more sin I see in my life. Now, you're growing in holiness because you love the Lord. Your life is being conformed to him. But in that confirmation to Christ, you're seeing where you fall short. And you say, am I sinning more? No, you're just more in tune with where your sin is. And the Lord has given you the Holy Spirit to kill that sin in your life. So, this is it. This is the summation. You ready? We have found one circumstance where we can claim to be led by the Spirit. And that's when I'm killing sin in my life. Because I know that's what Christ wants. And the more sin I kill in my life, the more conformed to the image of Christ that I am. Now to put sin to death, we have to be saturated right here in the word of God. Okay? We have to be saturated right here. So we may not necessarily say that I'm being led by the Spirit it might be more correct to say I'm being led by the Word of God through which the Spirit works. So to put sin to death, I have to have a a, a love of holiness. I have to have a sorrow over my knowledge of not being obedient to the Lord, whether it's my attitudes or it's my actions. I have to have a humble willingness to hear from other believers who come alongside me and help me get back on the path where I should be. Okay, I can't shift blame. I can't be defensive about it. Um, it. It involves taking specific biblical action to discontinue that sin, to live under the authority of what God's word says. So unless we're referring to killing sin, being led by the Spirit, that's, that's a little iffy. That's a little bit iffy. Okay, Better to say, I think... This decision coincides with what Scripture teaches me. Okay, You walk in the Spirit when you go on the path that the Spirit is moving. How do I know where the Spirit is moving? Uh, it's over here in God's Word. This is what's going to tell me how to be obedient to that. The Spirit is moving in the path of the will of God. So we walk in divine obedience. So as the word of God pours into your life, it begins to control your behavior by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you walk in the way of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this is uh, it's great news that we can be led by the Spirit. Well, the Spirit first and foremost calls us to put to death sin in our life. And then 
as we will see in a couple of weeks, you give us this list of, and it's the short list of things we need to put to death in our lives. For those of us who've been believers some like the time, we, we know where our sin is. We may not want to admit it, may not want to claim it, may not certainly want to let anybody else know about it, but we know where sin is. Perhaps we love to hear those tidbits of gossip. Perhaps we just don't always tell all the truth. Perhaps we harbor anger in our hearts or unforgiveness or bitterness about something that was years and years ago, but we just can't seem to let go of it. And it's eating us up and it's causing us to not walk by the Spirit because we're not putting to death that bitterness in our life. Lord, you have come that we might be free from these things, that we might know the joy of forgiveness, that we might know the greatness of forgiving grace that changes our lives, that gives us the the capacity to put these things to death. No longer are we bound by the chains of sin. We are bound by the Holy Spirit. We willingly put ourselves under your authority to submit to you our lord and savior what is it that you will have us do how shall we then live because of your grace in our lives lay this out before us lord that we might walk in obedience to your holy word we pray this in christ's name amen Please stand as you're able and join join me in singing our final hymn this morning, 309 at the name of Jesus. Jesus.